Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Good evening, church family. It's good to talk with you once again, and I want to... Uh, Thank you for joining us for this Good Friday evening. And if you will, uh, uh, let's join together for prayer and ask God's blessings on our time together. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your great love and we praise you for uh, the blessings of uh, this day and we praise you for, uh, more importantly, the blessing of Good Friday, of the day in which uh, you gave over your Son as a sacrifice for our sins. And uh, the process began uh, towards that redemption of uh, offering Jesus Christ as a propitiation for our sins, of taking our punishment, uh, the, the payment of our sins upon the cross of Calvary. And so, Lord, as we gather together this evening in our homes and uh, throughout the world, wherever we may be, uh, Father God, I pray that you would uh, use this time as a way of uh, allowing us to hear the gospel message that we might hear what God is, uh, what you have done for us, and Lord, that we might uh, uh, be able to uh, appreciate more uh, the sacrifice that you made for us. And Lord, we just thank you and praise you for your great love, and play, uh, pray, Lord, that you bless us as we study your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, well, this evening I want to share with you, as I said before, uh, that I was going to share with you more of a medical look at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And I want to, now let me just say right off the bat, that uh, first off, I am not a doctor. I'm not a, a someone with medical training. This is all information that I've picked up uh, out of texts and, and different things like that. Uh, these are things that uh, would go along with uh, anyone who studied uh, crucifixion and knows uh, basically what uh, is entailed. Uh, many of you may recall that I, I've shared this information before, uh, but I, I like to share it uh, each Easter uh, season, Holy Week season, so that we might recall and remember uh, the great sacrifice that Jesus gave uh, on our behalf. And uh, let me also say that this can be a little graphic and it can can be a little uh, upsetting to some people, so uh, anyone with a squeamish uh, stomach uh, needs to take that in uh, consideration. Uh, My intention is not to present gory detail for uh, gory's sake, uh, but rather uh, so often uh, we uh, tend to sanitize and clean out the blood uh, when we talk about uh, Jesus uh, dying on the cross for our sins, and too often and I feel like uh, we neglect to uh, understand the significance of the blood that was shed for us. And so uh, really tonight uh, we need to begin, uh, and I'm going to be looking at the account found in Matthew, uh, just simply because it's the uh, uh, one that I turn to. But... uh, most of this begins in Matthew chapter 26 at the time of uh, Jesus uh, being with his disciples. They've had their time in the upper room. Uh, uh, they have uh, 
taking that time in order to have the uh, Passover meal and Jesus institutes the four, first Lord's Supper in verse 26. Uh, he begins to share with his disciples and uh, then we uh, move uh, through Peter's denial and then they move to the garden uh, of Gethsemane where Jesus goes with his disciples to spend a few uh, last moments in prayer uh, to offer up to God a desire to uh, not have to go through this uh, uh, terrible ordeal. He, he's in, uh, in, in my opinion, his ordeal begins in the garden. Uh, Jesus is praying in verse 36 uh, that he goes into the uh, garden of Gethsemane with his disciples and he takes Peter and James and John along with him uh, after uh, leaving. Uh, I mean, all the disciples go with him, uh, minus Judas. And um, uh, but he takes Peter, James, and John, uh, his inner trio, a little bit further into the garden, and then he leaves them there to pray on his behalf. And he goes uh, uh, a little bit further in, in prayer, and he he just prays in agony. And uh, he says in verse thirty nine, uh, "Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not my will, but Thy will be done." <coughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. And so <clears throat> Jesus is praying earnestly uh, and he's in praying in agony over uh, what is to come. Uh, you have to understand uh, the reason, the purpose that Jesus is praying uh, in agony is because of the fact that he is uh, an immortal soul that, uh, and uh, he is an immortal God that has not known no uh, beginning and no end and he is facing uh, death on the cross. He knows uh, what is about to come more than anything thing though he is facing the fact that he has been eternally without sin he's lived a a lifetime on earth uh, without sin and now he is uh, about to go to the cross of Calvary and have uh, the sins of the world to be placed upon him he knows this is about to happen he knows uh, as I was explaining to my children the other day uh, he knows uh, more than anything the fact that uh, 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 one once this sin is placed upon him, he understands that uh, there will be separation between himself and the Father. Again, this is an aspect of the Trinity that we uh, have a hard time dealing with. He is God, uh, Jesus Christ is God incarnate. He is uh, uh, God the Son. And and yet uh, there's three distinct persons of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And he is about to put a distance between himself and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit because of uh, his allowing the sin of the world to be placed upon him. And so this agony is is about to consume him. Um, And he uh, goes... Uh, several times back to Peter, James, and John, and he uh, finds them asleep. And he says, couldn't you please at least stay awake for an hour uh, and pray uh, on my behalf? And he goes a second and a third time uh, to go and to pray. And consistently his prayer is, uh, let this 
cup pass uh, from me, but not my will, but thine uh, be done. And so uh, he uh, experiences all of this. And uh, I, I truly feel as though he is in uh, emotional and uh, spiritual agony as he contemplates uh, this that is about to happen. Uh, and then uh, uh, we uh, move on into the time of betrayal. And uh, Judas betrays uh, Jesus Christ uh, uh, in uh, beginning at verse 47. And uh, uh, as he is taken away, he's uh, roughed up and he's uh, taken to Caiaphas's house, the high priest, uh, where he and the Sanhedrin are gathered together. Uh, these are... Uh, the scribes and the Pharisees, they come together uh, to form the Sanhedrin. Uh, they are the leaders of uh, Israel. Uh, they are the chief priests and the elders uh, in council, and uh, they are trying to find some kind of witness to put Jesus to death. This is uh, what they have been looking for uh, for so long, and a reason to put Jesus to de uh, death, but they couldn't find any uh, uh, plausible reason to take him to the Roman government and uh, plead their case that he be put to death. They don't have that uh, right or privilege to do that. Uh, throughout Jewish history, if uh, different things uh, were happening, uh, that uh, uh, the law uh, specifically said that uh, uh, the uh, elders were to take that individual out. Uh, like, for instance, uh, if uh, you were to have a, uh, a son that was disrespectful and uh, was uh, really uh, bad towards the father, he could take that son out into the front gate and accuse him, and uh, he could uh, be... Uh, severely punished uh, and in some circumstances even be stoned uh, because of his insolence and his rudeness towards his father. Um, that can't happen any longer uh, because they uh, live under Roman rule and so as a result they have to go uh, uh, from the Jewish council to the Roman uh, 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 governor, uh, Pilate, uh, in order to have Jesus uh, put to death. And the Romans have to uh, to do this and not the Jewish people themselves. Um, and so uh, Jesus is taken uh, uh, to Caiaphas' house. They can't find a, a plausible witness that uh, they are able to accuse Jesus. Uh, they come up with uh, several different witnesses that uh, say different things, but they can't uh, come up with anyone uh, that is willing to say uh, the same. Uh, you know, remember in Jewish law, uh, you have to have two or more witnesses, an agreement uh, to attest uh, uh, to anything. And so uh, they're not able to do that. And then the, the high priest arises and uh, asks Jesus uh, if the uh, uh, testimony of all these different ones. They finally come up with two false witnesses that say that uh, Jesus is, uh, claimed that he was able to destroy the temple of God and then build it back in three days. Uh, the high, of course, Jesus uh, does not say anything to any of the charges. And then the high priest arises and says to Jesus, don't you have anything to say to this? Uh, and uh, Jesus held his peace. And then the high priest asked him, uh, uh, if he was uh, 
whether he was the Christ and Jesus uh, says, uh, Thou hast said, nevertheless, I say unto you, and this is found in verse 64 after the high priest says, Are you the Christ, the Son of God? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast said, nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. <coughs> and so Jesus is testifying the fact that he is the Christ, that he is uh, going to be uh, sitting at the right hand of the Father, uh, that he is uh, to be high and lifted up. <coughs> and the the high priest and the uh, chief priest all uh, uh, test that this is blasphemy. They rent their clothes. Uh, they uh, uh, believe that, that Jesus is, is guilty of blasphemy and they begin to uh, uh, strike him, and they begin to uh, to hit him uh, because of the fact that of their indignation towards Jesus for what he is saying. And so it's at that point that Jesus uh, already begins to uh, receive uh, this punishment of being beaten by the uh, chief priests. And then he is taken to Pilate, and uh, he is put on trial uh, before Pilate. Pilate doesn't find anything wrong with what he is uh, uh, being accused of. Uh, Pilate wants to release him, but uh, the uh, Jewish council uh, encourages Pilate to crucify him and encourages the crowd to crucify Jesus as uh, and leave uh, let Barabbas uh, uh, to be released and. So once uh, Pilate uh, is convinced to uh, to cause Jesus to be crucified, he begins to have Jesus to be uh, punished. Uh, he begins to, uh, after Pilate washes his hand of the situation, he says, you go and uh, do if you will. Uh, and to his plan was to simply uh, take Jesus and have him uh, receive the 39 lashes that is many times per, uh, pres uh, prescribed in the law uh, and uh, to allow then allow Jesus to be released as a result of the fact that he's been scourged. Uh, what happens when a person receives those 39 lashes? Well, in the case of Jesus, uh, they... Uh, uh, what is uh, most likely have been used is a whip of cat of nine tails, which is a whip that has uh, an end that has uh, several different strands that go off from that end. Uh, the ends will be coated with uh, blood and uh, bits of bone and metal and uh, glass will be uh, placed in to the, uh, uh, to the ends and the tips of uh, that whip. Uh, if nothing else, uh, it would be uh, weighted down with uh, weights that would uh, uh, cause uh, a weighted effect to the whip as uh, the whip is applied to the individual. Most likely, though, it was uh, had uh, bits of bone and other matter that would dig into the flesh of the individual. What would happen is, is it's not just simply that that uh, whip is is raked a, across the back of the individual. Uh, that individual would be taken to uh, the center square and they would be uh, uh, stretched over a um, 
a stump or something else that that, that would cause their back to be exposed. Uh, they'd be tied down so they couldn't uh, move from that location. Uh, and uh, the the individual would uh, or or and most uh, likely would be the case uh, uh, the uh, the individual would be stretched. Uh, out uh, in a standing position with uh, the bare flesh uh, exposed uh, their back and uh, that uh, whip the cat of nine tails would uh, be uh, administered to the back and they'd be whipped and it would uh, it's so long and and uh, the ends of that cat of nine tails would be uh, are so thin and and agile that uh, what would happen would be that they would wrap around the individual's body and uh, dig into the flesh of the individual. And then as the whip is is drawn back again uh, for another blow, it would dig into the flesh of the individual and uh, rip at the flesh, uh, causing that individual to lose uh, great amounts of blood, uh, uh, causing a great injury to the person uh, that uh, those uh, scourgings uh, many times and the reason that uh, uh, it's only 39 is is that many times the individuals uh, would not be able to live through uh, any more than 39 lashes uh, it's 40 lashes minus one uh, or 39 uh, because of the fact that uh, the intention was to inflict pain uh, but to keep that uh, pain from causing that individual to die many people did die as a result of this the Bible tells us that uh, as he was being scourged, uh, the soldiers would uh, mock Jesus and uh, they uh, stripped him of his clothes uh, and placed upon him uh, a scarlet robe in verse 28 of chapter 27. And it says that uh, they platted a crown of thorns upon his head. Uh, when we think of thorns, we typically in Western culture think of maybe a rose bush uh, that has thorns uh, on the uh, the bush, and while uh, that is the type of thorn that we're very familiar with, uh, the type of thorns that uh, were most likely used uh, was from a plant that grew uh, thorns that were on the upwards of four to six inches long, and so uh, the crown uh, that they placed upon Jesus' head, uh, and they beat uh, the crown into his head uh, with a reed, uh, was of from a, uh, thorns that were very long, and of course the uh, the skin on the the scalp of of individuals is very thin, uh, and as a result, a lot of blood, uh, a profuse amount of blood, is shed whenever uh, uh, the forehead is is uh, pierced uh, like that. And uh, they mocked Jesus, uh, putting this crown upon his head because the Jewish elders had said that he claimed to be the king of the Jews. And so they were kneeling and mocking Jesus, bowing down before Jesus, uh, saying, Hail, the king of the Jews, in verse 29. And so we see that uh, Jesus is mocked by uh, these Roman soldiers after he has been uh, scourged and he's uh, barely able to stand. And uh, then they 
uh, rip the raiment, uh, the robe off of Jesus in verse 31. Now, why would they do this? Well, as Jesus is being mocked and as they uh, blindfold Jesus and are beating him and pulling his beard out. Uh, now, a lot of people see Jesus as a, uh, a very... Uh, a Jewish man that looks very European, has uh, long hair, and has a very well-trimmed beard, uh, looks very uh, clean and appropriate, and that kind of thing. Uh, most likely, uh, what we fail to remember is, is that Jesus is Jewish. More than anything else, he is uh, Jewish in his uh, in his humanity. He is God incarnate, but he's also very one hundred percent human as well. And so uh, he is born into the Jewish nation. He is of the lineage of David. He is of the royal priesthood of David. Uh, And uh, Matthew and uh, John also, uh, uh, those gospels, (coughs) excuse me, those uh, gospels uh, uh, describe the lineage back uh, through uh, David all the way back uh, to Abraham, and one of them all goes all the way back to Adam. And so uh, we know that of Jesus' lineage, it's it's uh, ingrained in the person uh, uh, in the in the uh, character of the Jewish tradition of knowing your lineage, knowing your heritage. And so Jesus is uh, is of the lineage of David, and uh, he is being mocked for being uh, the king of the Jews. And uh, But the reason that they stripped this robe off of Jesus and put his own clothes back on him is, is that as he was being mocked and ridiculed, uh, that blood that has is just pouring out of his, his body uh, and his his back and his arms and and all of his body has has been reduced to uh it's there's hardly any way to to say it he's his 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 flesh has been ripped off in strips and and it looks like hamburger it's just been uh he's been reduced to a a, a very uh, a poor image of a human being any longer and and as that uh, blood has uh, coagulated on on in that robe uh, uh, it is 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 stopped uh, that robe is soaked in the blood and it's dried and when they rip the robe off of him uh, to put his own clothes back on him uh, it rips open those wounds all afresh again it's very similar to throwing salt on an on an open wound uh, it it it's a way of inflicting more pain to Jesus Christ and then uh, uh, they lead him off to be crucified, and as they come out, uh, Jesus uh, falters as because they uh, force those who are to be crucified to carry their own implement of crucifixion. They are to carry uh, their own cross to be crucified. Uh, many people uh, say, "Well, uh, Jesus uh, carry, didn't have to carry the whole cross; that he only carried the cross beam." Uh, regardless. Uh, uh, 
of what he had to carry uh, out to be crucified. He, he's uh, been uh, uh, reduced to a shell of a man uh, as a result of his of this beating. He's uh, there concerned that he'll die under the strain of carrying his cross. And so in verse 32, they conscript uh, Simon of Cyrene to uh, carry the cross the rest of the way. And they carry Jesus up uh, to uh, a hill outside of the the uh, temple, uh, up on a very high place. And, and and you've heard me describe the fact that uh, the temple of Jerusalem uh, was at the very top of the hill. Uh, Jerusalem was on a hill. Uh, built the city of Jerusalem was built on a hill. Uh, the temple was uh, was built on the highest place of that hill that Jerusalem was built upon, and so this was one of the other hills that uh, was there. It was a very high place. It was a very uh, open and conspicuous place outside the uh, the gates of the temple. Uh, Jesus was crucified, a place called Gotha, Gotha uh, the place of the skull, and uh, they. Uh, placed him on the cross uh, to be crucified and they uh, stripped him of his garments once again and placed him upon the cross and typically what would be done is the that uh, uh, the person being crucified would be lashed to the cross they would be tied their arms would be tied to the cross beam uh, and their legs would be uh, uh, tied to the uh, supporting beam uh, going up and that was to prevent them from flailing around and to keep them to the cross. Uh, but uh, those that they had particular disdain, they nailed to the cross, and that's what they did with Jesus. Now, uh, in a lot of images of the crucifixion, uh, we see them crucifying Jesus, and uh, it's the cruci- uh, the uh, nail goes through uh, the palm of the hand. Now, this is incorrect. Uh, the reason that I say that uh, with such conviction is, is that uh, if you place a nail through the palm of the hand, and then uh, throw the cross into a hole for it to be uh, supported and stood up. Uh, the the sheer fact of the uh, the body weight uh, coming down upon uh, that uh, uh, those nails would just rip the flesh through uh, the bones in your hand. <coughs> are just bones coming up from uh, the wrist. And uh, there are no bones that go across, <coughs> excuse me, except at the wrist. And so uh, the the nail would go across uh, where most people receive their pulse being taken uh, on your wrist. Now, in the Jewish mind, this is still part of the hand. Uh, in fact, uh, when in the Jewish tradition of having uh, your hands washed ceremonially before eating, uh, you would uh, wash uh, your hands. Uh, now, that's what it says, washing the hands, but uh, what is actually happening is is they wash uh, all the way up to their elbow. All of that's considered the hand. And so uh, the the nail was driven in at the wrist. This has many functions, more than just keeping the nail from going through uh, uh, the flesh and uh, the person flopping off of the cross. It also... Uh, 
not only keeps the uh, the nail from going uh, through the hand uh, and and them falling off, but also it uh, you know everybody knows that uh, someone that tries to commit suicide does it there at the wrist because there's uh, a collection of the the veins going through uh, the the arm down to the fingers, and so uh, this. Uh, nailing the cro- uh, Jesus to the cross at your wrist uh, de- inflicts the most damage, uh, causes more blood to be shed. And so uh, Jesus is nailed to the cross uh, to at his wrist uh, and at his feet and then he's lifted up, and he's dro- the cross is dropped into a hole uh, already pre-dug so that uh, the cross is suspended up in the air. And uh, this causes uh, uh, the, the remainder of the cause of death. Uh, the cause of death for those who die on the cross, uh, for many of them, is exposure. Uh, they're exposed to the elements. And uh, remember I told you a few moments ago uh, that they uh, stripped Jesus of his garments as they were about to put him on the cross. Uh, It says in verse 35, they crucified him, parted his garments, casting lots that they might fulfill uh, uh, what was spoken by the prophet, that they parted my garments among them upon my vesture, uh, did they cast lots. And so uh, Jesus is there exposed to the elements. He's exposed to the element. You have to remember he's, he's not not bleeding just from his wrists and from his feet uh, and later from his side when the soldier pierces his side. Uh, He's bleeding from all over his body, his chest, his back, all over his arms are is just bleeding profusely uh, because of his uh, beating uh, with the cat of nine tails. Uh, Blood is just going everywhere. And uh, he he is uh, exposed to the, all of that. All of his wounds are exposed to the elements. In addition to that, uh, uh, when you're crucified upon the cross, uh, the second way of death on the cross is that all of the weight is being applied uh, of the individual is being applied to the lungs. Uh, the way the crucifixion is is so sadistic is that uh, as the people are on the cross. They must push up with their feet and pull with their arms uh, upon their bonds in order to uh, lift themselves up, remove the pressure of the body uh, from their lungs in order that their lungs can fill up with air. And so each time that Jesus uh, says uh, things from the cross like, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Uh, and into thy hands come in my spirit. Each time that Jesus speaks from the cross he has to lift him his his weight uh up from uh his uh the weight from uh, being uh, forced down on his lungs in order to get breath and to speak and uh, you would think someone who is uh, basically being suffocated on the cross uh, that he wouldn't waste his breath on senseless uh, speech that everything he says if he says anything is 
uh, something very important because uh, uh, it's very strenuous for the individual to to gain a breath. And as they are on the cross, many of uh, the of the individuals basically suffocate uh, because they run out of strength. They're unable to lift themselves any longer, and they are no longer able to gain breath. Uh, and so uh, it says uh, that in verse 45, now from the sixth hour there was darkness over the land uh, till the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabathani, which is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And uh, the Bible goes on to say that they uh, thought that he was crying out to Elijah. And when he cries out again in verse Twenty, he gives up the ghost and he commends his spirit into the hands of the Father. Uh, this is the death on the cross of Jesus Christ, and uh, it is uh, a very. This is a very human death, in that uh, they are destroying the body, uh, but they are not able to destroy the spirit. Jesus Himself gives up His spirit, uh, beginning in verse forty-six, when He cries out to God. Why are you forsaking me? It is at that moment that Jesus is giving up himself over to the Father, allowing, uh, why would he cry out if he's, uh, why are you forsaking me if he, if the process of the sins of the world are not already coming upon him as he is about to die uh, before he actually dies and uh, gives up the Spirit? Uh, God is forsaking him. Now, why would God forsake him? Because the sins of the world are being placed upon Jesus Christ. Why is there darkness? Uh, uh, because uh, of the fact that Jesus is being crucified. Uh, uh, the Son of God is is uh, on the cross of Calvary. And, uh, and so uh, uh, there comes a great darkness as he is about to die. And Jesus cries with a loud voice and yields up his spirit in verse 50. Uh, I contend that because Jesus had no sin, uh, that Jesus Christ had to give up his spirit. Uh, He would not have died on the cross even uh, uh, with all of the injuries that were uh, placed against him, uh, that his giving up his spirit is him offering himself like a sacrificial lamb as a sacrifice for our sins. And it says in verse 51 that the veil of the temple rent in two from the top to the bottom. The earth shook and the rocks uh, broke open and the graves were open and many bodies of the saints which slept no, those those are saints who had died, arose and came out of the graves from after his resurrection and went into the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many and so uh, this is the uh, the death of Jesus, uh, uh, the Savior of the supernatural uh, events that occurred as a result of Jesus giving up the ghost. Uh, the, the weight of the sin of the world is placed upon Jesus Christ and the sins of the world are coming upon him and he gives himself as a sacrifice for us. Isn't that an amazing thing uh, that, that Jesus gives of himself. He died on the cross, not at the hands of the Romans, not as a result of the uh, uh, 
the mischievousness of the Jewish leaders, but because he gave of himself as a sacrifice for our sins. And we need to remember uh, the great uh, agony, the great uh, depths of, of despair that Jesus felt, and not just from uh, the physical uh, scourging and, and things that happened uh, to his body, but more importantly, uh, to the fact that his uh, uh, body was subjected, uh, his spirit was subjected to the sins of the world as he took upon him my sins, your sins, our sins, that he might be our savior and he gave of himself willingly to die in our place uh, not because man did anything but because he gave himself as a sacrifice for me and you that we might have salvation and we need to rejoice in that and praise God for that and understand that that is what Jesus did he took my place he took your place as a sacrifice for our sins let's pray dear gracious father we praise you we thank you for your great love and we praise you for the sacrifice you gave for us on the cross of Calvary may we never forget the great toll that was given up for us and Lord that you paid the price for our sin and that we might have salvation. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much folks for joining together and uh, it's my hope and prayer that you'll be able to use this as a way of sharing with others the great sacrifice that Jesus made for you and me and that we might remember what Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary and that we might be a witness and a testimony for others that they might understand and know what Jesus did for us. Until the next time, it's my hope and prayer that God bless you.